would you take your sermon notes, take the notes for this teaching, and let me move. So much of this has been said. The Holy Spirit just kind of... I'm, it's not that He is ahead of us. It's that He is always ahead of us. Does that make sense? He's always ahead of us. He's always before us. He's always doing something, and we're coming alongside of Him. And we've been talking about uh, spiritual gifts, understanding spiritual gifts. And as you are embracing... Uh, gifts of the Spirit, one of the things that you must do is realize that gifts of the Spirit are not abnormal in the body of the Lord Jesus. Did you hear what I just taught you? Gifts of the Spirit are not abnormal. You say, what? Somebody had a prophetic word. That should not be so abnormal in the church, okay? It should always been, be done right. At the same time, it should be so normal that as we operate, as we work in gifts of the Spirit, that we're not just saying, okay, now we're operating in the gifts. It's just the way that we roll, brothers and sisters. Just the way we roll. Uh, and 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it's not for you to look at me, it's for me to bless you. You receive that. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done. We, we have an advantage in this world that we need to be aware of. We are saved by the Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. Everybody agree to that? If you disagree with that, you're really going to have to rip some pages up out of the Bible. You're going to say, I just don't like them red lettuce anymore. All right? So this is the truth of God's Word. So as a body, also... You also need to understand this. You can't do this by yourself. Okay, you may want to. You might say, I, I just don't like people. You're going to have to get over that because we need one another. We're here to serve one another. And the Holy Spirit in me is not just for me. It's also for you. And Holy Spirit in you is not just for you. It's for me. So it's not that you are given gifts. It's that we are given gifts. We are let's, somebody. Somebody is working, and we're seeing the gifts of the Spirit and the miraculous power of God in their life. And you say, "Look at God on them." No, look at God in us. Amen. Praise God. And let me remind you again: the Holy Spirit is not the abnormal for the believer; it is the norm for the believer. If you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. That which is flesh is born of the flesh. That which is spirit is born of the spirit. You already have struggled with your flesh. You don't have to have bad parents in order to struggle with your flesh. Right? You don't. You can struggle with the flesh because it is flesh and it is in a fallen state. Your children do not have to be taught to be disobedient. They'll figure it out. Just like you did. So Jesus taught Nicodemus, you must be born again, and Nicodemus didn't understand it, and Jesus explained why he couldn't understand it. Nicodemus is standing in the robes of the Pharisees. He's standing in the robes of the very religious, and Jesus said, of course you can't understand this, because that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit, and you'll only be able to receive this by the Spirit. So when you are saved, when you are born again, you are born a second time, not the way that you were born the first time you are born by the spirit 
which positions you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire, to be consumed by the Spirit. So we're here to build one another up. We're here to see God do amazing and miraculous things. Remember 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So again, it's not for a show, but if you're struggling, you say, then you need to welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit. And you have to be willing to work. How, how many believe in discernment? We do that. So you have spiritual discernment. And then you have the gift of discernment. These are two different things, okay? I have spiritual discernment because I'm of the Spirit. Then you have the gift of spiritual discernment as well. We talked about that last week. I can't re-preach that. So remember the gifts. They're not for sensationalism. They are for the purpose of building up the body. And just, you know, if you read through 1 Corinthians, you can see some of the purpose encouraging and building up one another, proclaiming the gospel to every nation, knowing and understanding what God is saying for a particular time. Giving spiritual intervention, defeating the powers of darkness, correction and instruction, and increasing the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. So we're experiencing this thing. I'm ex- I, I, I've already told you this. I'm hearing Holy Spirit, and He's telling me we are increasing our awareness of His presence, and that you know, for myself, this week I've been overwhelmed with a sense of the miraculous so much. That my expectations have risen. My expectations have risen. So get this. How many believe that we should have a prayer service at the end of this? Would that be all right if we had prayer time? Would it be okay if we have people? Because we're going to do it anyway. We're not voting. Spirit Life team will come up. How many believe it's good to have someone pray for us? So here are my expectations. This is not just to pump you up. If it pumps you up, hallelujah. But it is for this reality. This is what I'm saying. I'm seeing people set free and delivered. Not, not as some of you see it. I'm seeing God heal some places in your heart, in your mind, replacing some of the emptiness in your life. I'm seeing you actually prayed for and leaving changed. Excuse me. I thought we all believed that before. I thought we believed that. I'm believing that people are going to come today for prayer and get their heart right with God. They're going to be born again. Salvation is a supernatural occurrence. We had a young man gave his life to the Lord Jesus this morning. He walked out a different man than when he walked in. I'm considering the Apostle Peter in this teaching today. And the miraculous power, and you know, what a great apostle. Somebody thank God for St. Peter. Amen. Thank God. What a man of God. What a leader in the church. But as he, he, he went from denying Christ, he went from pulling out a knife and cutting off a man's ear, he went from disappearing at the crucifixion to in Acts chapter 5, the Bible says that people would bring people into the streets and lay the sick in their bed on the edge of the streets just hoping that Peter would walk by and his shadow would pass over them. Some people would say, well, you know, they were just superstitious. And I would like to say that one of the things that I know about Christ is there were moments in his life where the Bible says that power went out from him. You receive that? So, Pastor, you're making us crazy. 
crazy like a Holy Ghost filled person, okay, so that people, you, you should have a, a presence of God's Spirit around you. Just the presence of God's Spirit. So I'm ready, for, I'm ready for maximum impact right now. That's what I am. So we're going to spend some time in the Bible today. So uh, all of the scriptures that I use will not be on the slides. And I hope that impacts what we do, impacts the baptism. Got any people going to be baptized today? Amen. Got some folk? Yes. Amen. So baptism this, this afternoon. Uh, be down there at 6 o'clock so we can get in the water. Today, I want to talk about there's a spiritual gift that is mentioned in scripture called faith. That's weird, isn't it? There's a spiritual gift called faith. So I'm going to call you to keep the faith. It's a common term. Somebody shout, keep the faith, because that's what I'm teaching on. Looking at 1 Corinthians 12, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. And then there are listings. And then he says, and these seem to come together to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. All of this by the Holy Spirit. These are power gifts, miraculous gifts. And what I want to do today is I want to see our faith elevated. Father, elevate our faith. I want your faith to be increased. I want your faith to go to a level that it has not been no matter what you are facing. I want to give you some additional scriptures here, however, that you might remember Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith, read it out loud, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, so, Hebrews 11 is a list of individuals uh, and moments in Scripture where people took action because they had faith. They didn't have or do it because they had physical evidence, but rather because they had spiritual evidence. So the evidence of things not seen sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds like the one is canceling out the other. So I have evidence of something that I have not seen. Faith is that evidence of something that you have not seen come to pass. Abraham and Sarah left their family because of something they had not seen, but they had faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is teaching us. And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, By faith, Enoch was taken away. Anybody know Enoch's story? Okay, this is a guy that was incredibly pleasing to God, that walked. And it, there's, this is all that's told. I mean, he's mentioned here in one other place. There's like, you know, four verses that speak of Enoch, really three. And he walked with God and he was not because God took him. He was there and boom, first guy to ever get raptured. I mean, just boom, he disappears. Why? Because the Bible says that he had faith. God took him. And for before he was taken... Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. I, you know, I feed the hungry. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look, I gave a billion dollars to help the homeless. Without faith... It is impossible to please God. I don't ever tell a lie. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He who comes to God must believe that he is God. 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I will continue to walk in my faith, and I will see it come to pass. Anybody ever lost your faith? How many ever lost your faith before? Anybody lost it? Come on. See, now you're just lying to me. Okay. But faith, when it was just worn out and tired, say, God, what are you doing? So faith is believing God and taking action on that belief regardless of what you see or hear from any other source. That's, that's my personal definition. So you want to read that with me? See if that, you have some agreement. Faith is believing in God and taking action on that belief regardless of what you see or hear from any other source. You don't know what's happened. Keep your faith. Did you hear the diagnosis? Keep your faith. I just lost my job. Keep your faith. My wife left me. Keep your faith. That, that's too heavy, right? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you. And some things you've already learned. A life of faith is pleasing to God. You might need to write that down. A life of faith is pleasing to God. And God personally will escort those home who please Him. Some of you are struggling. So I, my faith increased as I was preparing this message. So I'm going to sit in my office and study. And, and, I, and as I was, uh, one of the things that can distract me swiftly is a message from my daughter in California. If Felicia, Lauren, Malachi, you know, well, my family, they, it'll just, I'll, I'll stop and I'll take a look at that. Some, some messages I get texts while I'm in study, I won't pay attention to them because I can't do that. But, you know, Felicia has authority in my life. And so all she did was sent, Diane and I, she just sent us the YouTube of Bethel Music Dancing on the Waves. Anybody ever heard Dancing on the Waves before? You like it? You're dancing on the wave. So here you go. So I, I, she sends that. I immediately pop it on because I want to listen to it. And, and uh, I won't sing it to you, but the, the lyrics are simply from, it, it's as if God is singing to you. The lyrics are as if God is singing to you. How many know the scripture says that he sings over us? All right. The prophet says he sings over us. I'm reaching out. I'll chase you down. I dare you to believe how much. I love you now. Don't be afraid. I'm your strength. We'll be walking on the water and dancing on the waves. Look up. Lift up your eyes. The future's open wide. I have great plans for you. Oh, yes, I do. Your past is dead and gone. Your healing has begun. I'm, I'm making all things new. Watch me do it. Dancing on the waves. Dancing on the waves. That sounds good. Sounds like you're like a really good surfer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, in your storm, I'm going to be there on you. We're going to dance on the waves. When you think you're going to go under, I'm going to be right there with you. Just hang on to me. So what was moving about that is she sent that to me while I was reading Luke chapter 8, verse 22. So she sends that to me precisely while my Bible is open and I'm studying Luke chapter 8. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, oh Jesus, you're so good. How many know he sometimes just shows off? Anybody know that? He just, just, I love you. Just send you flowers for no other reason, you know, just. And, and he said, Jesus said to his disciples, they all got into a boat with his disciples. So who was there? Jesus and us. And he said, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. 
But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to Jesus and awoke him, which, that means they woke him up. See, I'm deep. They woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Not the end of the story. But he said to them, Where is your faith? He said to his disciples, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and waters, and they obey him. Now this is not the story of the walking on the water. This was the first storm. Peter will walk on the water on another day. So this is the first time that they're going to lose their faith. This was the first literal literal storm, and it spoke to me. Not not because... uh, you know, the winds and rain stop. How many know that he can stop the wind and the rain? We know that. The story is so important because it keeps showing up. And when you see repetition of a story in the gospel, you need to grab a hold of it. It just keeps showing up over and over. And here's the reality, and you know it. In life, you're going to have storms, and in life, you're going to need faith. In life, you're going to have storms, and in this life, you're going to need your faith. So the disciples are in the boat, Jesus takes a nap, windstorm shows up, the boat, the, the waves are coming over the side, they wake Jesus, Jesus up, and this is my interpretation, they wake Jesus up, he's been napping, he's been working hard, anybody nap hard on a Sunday afternoon, I mean, come on, he's, his, you know, he gets up, his hair's sticking over here, his beard's all messed up, he gets up and he looks around, he's in the flesh, he gets up. Wake up, Jesus. Finally get to sleep. Wakes up, and they say, Jesus, we're all dying. They didn't have an idea that Jesus could calm the storm. They didn't know that. So in their estimation of the storms of Galilee, Jesus was about to die. Jesus, hey, wake up. We're going to die. Jesus, getting ready to go under. The boat's filling up with water. It's over. So Jesus Wakes up, stretches, rebuke the wind. The word is epitomao. It is to severely censor and declare your disapproval. So Jesus looked at the storm and he didn't say, be quiet. (laughs) You stop that right now. I was asleep. Stop! Anybody ever have that? Stop it! Don't make me come out there. I will walk on you. So he yelled at the storm and severely censored it, commanded it to stop, slows down, and the guys are just looking at each other, and then he says, now that I'm finished with the storm, now I'm going to deal with you. And he said, where is your faith? So 
I know we want the gifts of faith and miracles and signs and wonders, but sometimes we launch and expect gifts of the Spirit when we haven't embraced the elementary truths of God's Word. You want faith, you want great faith, and you want to see the miraculous things take place, but I, I want you to notice what Jesus wants me to ask you today, where is your faith? Faith, And I'm not asking without understanding, I'm a disciple. How many have ever been sucked, wounded by someone who was supposed to love you? Where is your faith in the middle of a pandemic when you have lost a loved one, when you're in a barren place? I'm not even sure I'm allowed to ask this question, but Jesus is asking it. I'm your pastor. I love you, but an honest answer would be helpful at a moment like this. Where is your faith? I got faith, Jesus. Then why did you wake me up? Where is your faith? What happened? Where is your faith? And I have been wakened up in the middle myself of my own storms. I have been awakened in the middle of an anxiety-ridden mess and heard Holy Spirit ask me, Rick Hawker, where is your faith, my child? Where is your faith? When I had been left or hurt or fearful or screaming at the Lord, yes, he comforts, yes, he calms the storm, but he also loves me enough to ask the questions that I need to answer in order that I can rise above future storms. Where is your faith? He is not discounting the severity of what you're going through. He's only saying that you need to remember with faith you can walk through this my wife is a detective I don't know if you've seen her badge she's a detective I know she does everything Drew's away she's running sound today she can do anything but she's a she's a detective she asks all the right questions eventually comes to the conclusion of where I lost something in fact when somebody loses something uh, around the church or wherever it's almost like she gets this look of glee on her face now watch me find while you lost you see that? I'm looking at her. She knows I'm telling the truth, all right? And, and she, she, has a, she has the ability to ask the right questions and eventually come to the conclusion of where it must be and then come back and celebrate it was there where we thought uh, and worked it out. I mean, she's like, she's an investigator. So some of the things that I have learned from her and her prophetic understanding is one, when you lose something, calm down, okay? Calm down, figure it out, calm down, and ask where was the last time you saw it? And then take a walk through all of the locations you've been since you lost it. Just go back, retrace your steps, and finally clean up your space, which is often, you know, if you hadn't left the place in such a mess in the first place, you might not have lost it. Come on, somebody go home and preach to your kids right now. Or maybe preach to yourself, because, come on, hey, never mind, I shouldn't. So, again, the question is, where is your faith? Sometimes in the storm, we use everything but faith. We use the bucket. We use everything else. When was the last time you failed to forgive someone? Maybe you lost your faith there. Did you lose it in your grief? Maybe you never finished your grieving, never got through that process. Maybe you lost it in your sin or in your bad attitude. Maybe you lost it in the pandemic somewhere. You lost your faith. Did you lose it in your last relationship? You can't afford to lose your faith. So let me help you restore your faith and reposition yourself to operate in the gift of faith. First of all, reclaim your first faith. Your first faith. Anybody remember first faith? I've talked about the term first love before. Jesus should be your first love. So reclaim your first faith. Faith, For by grace, read this with me. For by grace you have been saved. Next two words. 
through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I want to help you. How many are saved by grace? Grace alone. Now I want you to read that again. I am saved by grace through faith. Did you hear that? Through faith. So some of you all believe that grace just saved you in such a way that there's nothing that you've ever done. This is a supernatural work. Do you believe that God's word is true when it suggests that if you want to be born again, if you want to be saved, you need to confess by faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in your heart, believe that God has raised him from the dead. Who believes this kind of mess? You believe people actually raised from the dead? You must be crazy to believe that. No, I believe by faith. I didn't see it. I wasn't there. But faith somehow was deposited inside of me in such a way that I can stand before you all as a spiritual witness by faith and tell you that Jesus was bruised. He was beaten. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He had nails in his hands and his feet. He breathed his last breath on the cross. They put him in a tomb, dead, 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 totally dead dead. And three days later, the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out victoriously by faith. I don't think he did it. I know it by faith. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a miracle of God. I can't convince anybody that Jesus died and rose again. You believe that by the faith that is deposited inside of you. Where is what God put in you when you were born again? Where is it? It's that same faith that you leverage when you're in a storm. It's that same faith when you don't know what you're going to do about tomorrow. That same faith. The same faith that saved me is the faith that will keep me. Sometimes you got to run back to where you left it. I don't know. Anybody, any saved folk in this house? Anybody remember when you confessed Jesus? Maybe you need to confess him again. Somebody shout, Jesus, you are the Lord. Right now, come on, rededicate your life to Jesus right where you're sitting. You have forgotten. You haven't thought about it. I mean, there should not be a day that goes by. That you don't thank God for Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and that he is the Lord of your life. And that you are a child of God, a son and a daughter of your heavenly father. Not a day should go by. Go back. On occasion, when I felt faithless, I know I didn't lose my salvation, but I find myself back on the floor to get some more. Anybody? Did I, that, that was good. I said that. I said, sometimes you got to get back to the floor and get some more got to go back to where you met him. Anybody? And I love Cliff's testimony of his salvation. I, you probably all don't know it, but after he gave his life to Jesus, didn't you just sit down in a chair for a few days? Didn't you do that? Just rocking chair, just back and forth, weeping, crying, loving, celebrating. You know, bless Renee's heart. She probably thought he, she needed to call the hospital or something, but I'll bet on occasion he goes and sits in the chair. I'll bet he does. I'll bet on occasion he'll climb up over into the, that frog, you know, the full room over the garage, and just hang out with Jesus or go take a walk. I'll bet Renee, Frank, I'll bet you do. I bet a lot of us do that, don't we? Do you ever just go back to a place of faith and spend some time in the presence of your soul-saving Jesus? And he stands up like a professional surfer on your storm. 
hangs out, carries you through the curl, brothers and sisters. All right? Listen, he says, I've still got a plan for you. So reclaim. Somebody say reclaim. Rededicate. Go back to the water. Get deeper. I, I tell you this. I'm doing baptisms today, and I, I don't believe you have to be baptized over and over again because you, you know, fail or messed up or something. But then there are some of us that ought to get a little deeper. Anybody? Somebody? Some of us need to get hit with about a 10-footer out there. Somebody, take me under, Lord. Cleanse me. Wash me. Remind me that I am yours. And listen, your flesh was supposed to die. You die to sin, and you rise again to live in Christ. So reclaim your faith. Reclaim your first faith. And then, secondly, here's something else that will help you. Never forget what the Lord has done. Don't ever forget what the Lord has done. We used to sing that. Anybody remember that? Look what the Lord has done. Somebody will dance and sing. Emory's not even in the room right now, and I could take us to church. He healed my body. He touched my mind. And then we'd all dance. He saved me, it was just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. He stayed. Nobody knows that, do they? Okay. Five, six people. Come on and praise him. Anybody ever praise the Lord? Anybody ever do that? So, why can Jesus ask this question of the disciples? I mean, they're just his disciples, right? Jesus hasn't been to the cross and rose again yet. They're just his disciples. Why would he look at these guys and say, where is your faith? Because even though the day of Pentecost hasn't happened, a lot of stuff has happened. This is Luke chapter, let me give you some theology here. This is Luke chapter 8. It's not Luke chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or 7. It's Luke chapter 8. So... In Luke chapter 1 and 2, anybody ever read the Gospels? I mean, you see where he was born. You, you see, and then if you, if, if you walked on through Scripture, you'd find where, in, in Luke, you would find where Jesus was baptized. And then Jesus, after he was baptized, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him, and it looked like a dove just kind of lighting on him. The power of the Holy Spirit is like, boom just kind of fell upon him. And then after that, Jesus walks out full of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he goes out and he's victorious over Satan, just utterly victorious. And Satan finally just kind of walks away. So this is early in Luke 2 and Luke 3. And then you get down to Luke chapter 4 and Jesus, after, uh, after he is, oh, oh, overcomes the enemy, we, he finds his disciples in Galilee, and he returns in power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went around all over the, the region. And he taught in their synagogues and was glorified by all. But then, that's just Luke 4. Luke 4, what, what, what chapter are we reading in today? Luke 8. So Luke 4. So if you go to Luke chapter 4, in verse 16, Jesus declares his power and purpose. He stands up. He takes a scroll. He's in a synagogue. He's in Nazareth, as a matter of fact. And he stands up, and he turns to the prophet Isaiah and begins to teach this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptance 
acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he sat down. His disciples, everybody's looking at him. You should not be reading Isaiah like that. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, oh, by the way, today what I just read is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon. And you're going to see the captive set free. And you're going to see the poor blessed. You're going to see supernatural things in my life. And all of, his, all of his friends, all of his bros from Nazareth, they say, you're just Joseph's son. They gather around and push him over to a cliff. They decide, we're going to shove him off the cliff. And Jesus said, you ain't going to shove me off the cliff. <laughs> I just read that. Because if you can shove me off and kill me at this cliff, then what I read is not true. And so suddenly, it's like the angelic presence of God just came all around him. And Holy Spirit surround him. And nobody could touch him. And he just walked right through the middle of them. So he declared his power and presence and purpose in his word and also in his action. And if you continue, then he went, he goes to Capernaum, and there is a man in Capernaum who's at church with a demon. Sometimes people come to church with demons. Yup. All right. I know he ain't real popular and all that, but we're not going to let him make a big show, though. Jesus did this, too. He's just like, we are not going to let this person disturb synagogue service today. So he called a guy out. He cast the spirit out of him, and it was just, it was a moment of incredible, miraculous power, and the report went about every, every place in all of the, the region. So th- then something else happened. Peter's mother-in-law gets sick in Luke 4, 38. Jesus goes to her house in front of Peter. His mother is burning up with fever. And they, it's like the, the sickness is a, is, is a deadly sickness. And Jesus rebuked the fever. He rebuked the fever. He looked at the fever. Stop. And the fever stopped. And she got up and fixed everybody a meal. Don't make me preach there. Okay. <laughs> then in verse 40, Jesus And one evening is surrounded, and they're bringing people that are sick and have diseases. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed every one of them. And demons came out of many, crying out, shouting, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told them to hush because it wasn't his time yet. Where are the disciples? They're right there with him. So they've seen Peter's mom fixed. They've seen him walk through a crowd. They've seen power. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus borrows Peter's boat to preach. He goes out, preaches using the boat. And then, and then they want to go and catch some fish after the service is over. And Simon... He said to Simon, you need to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, put your net on the other side of the boat. And they caught such a haul that their nets broke. Who saw this? Who saw it? Then Jesus does something ridiculous. There's a man who is a leper that comes close to him, and Jesus breaks all of the religious norm. He touches a leper and makes him clean. His fingers are back. His skin looks shiny and moisturized. He is completely whole. Jesus, you can't do that. Who watched it? The disciples. So Jesus then... 
He, for, he, he forgives and heals a man who is completely paralyzed that is let down through a roof in front of him. Who is there? The disciples. And then in Luke chapter 6, he forgives and heals a man who has a withered hand. He starts forgiving sin and healing people's body. And then in Luke 6 and 17, power went out of Jesus. There was a crowd around him. The Bible says that power just went out of him. He wasn't touching people. Power just went out of him and everybody in the multitude is being healed and unclean spirits are running. And then in Luke chapter 7, I love this particular moment. A centurion, a Roman soldier, sends people to talk to Jesus because one of his precious servants is about to die. And they go and get Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to a centurion's house. Well, you already touched the leper. You might as well go to a centurion's house. The disciples are with him. Jesus, you can't be doing this. He walks, but on the way, some people run out of the building and say, Jesus, you don't even have to come to his house. And the message from the centurion was this. I'm not even worthy to have you come in my house, but if you will just speak it, my servant will be whole. And Jesus said, I have never seen such faith. In all of Judea, I have never seen... He knew John the Baptist personally. He said, I have never seen such faith in all of Judea. And he spoke it, and the, child, and the servant immediately rose. Okay, now who's watching this? Okay, you think that should be enough to build your faith? Anybody got stories? I'll take, I'll take you out a little bit deeper. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Jesus walking with his disciples. He's going by the city of Nain. There is a funeral procession. There is a widow and her only son has died. Jesus stops the funeral procession. He walks over to the casket and touches it. He's breaking all of their norms. And he says, let the boy live. And the boy climbs out of the casket and goes over and hugs his mama. His disciples said that. Saw this. He forgives and saves a sinner woman who is at his feet, who has a terrible reputation. So then we finally arrive in Luke chapter 8 on a stormy evening. They're out in a boat. Same boat, probably, that they had the hall of fish in. The same boat Jesus had preached in. The same Peter, James, John. The same disciples that had walked with him. Now they're in a storm and they wake up Jesus to say, we haven't got any faith. It would have been even more cool if they would have said, hey, Jesus, would you take care of this storm? But no, they said, Jesus, we're dying. Now let me ask you, what has the Lord done for you? Have I got any disciples in this room of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you just here to let me tell you all my stories? I'll, I'll tell them over and over again. When I was just about three years old, I had third degree burns all over the right side of my face. And they were going to graft skin. But the elders came together and laid hands on me. And in the morning, that burn that they were going to have to graft skin to was laying on the bed. And I had new skin on the right side of my face. Let me tell you that I was dehydrating and they were taking me to the hospital, but they put me in the hands of my papaw. And papaw said, no, let me pray for him for you taking the hospital and give me a bottle so I can feed your baby. And they fed me and the sickness completely left my body. Could I tell you that when I was a young man and married and my two babies were in the car, one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me as we were driving. I was really tired and I'd been reading the Frank Peretti book, uh, This Present Darkness, about angels being present. And I said, Said to the Lord, is that true? Do you really protect us? Do you really protect your children? And we were driving down the road in a station wagon on Route 64. It was before car seat laws. Just thought I'd say that. My kids.
kids were laying down asleep in the back of the car, and we're driving. Diana's driving. Uh, for some reason, my wife took a nap while she was driving, and I woke up, and the car was going down the right in the grass on Route 64 by Charlottesville. About that time, I jumped up and thought I would help her and grab the steering wheel and hit it, and we went spinning all the way around. Four lanes of traffic. We're spinning down the road, two babies in the back of the car. And so suddenly the car slowed down without a break and came to a slow stop without anybody getting any whiplash. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now do you believe I take care of you? I got out of the car and gave thanks to the Lord for my wife, my children, my church family. I'm I'm just telling you my stories. He's rescued me. He delivered me from an attack when I was a boy of a man who wanted to hurt me. He, He may have done some abuse, but I'm standing here today telling you that he didn't take my, he didn't take my faith. He didn't destroy me. I remember mama telling me stories about grandma when they were just in a terrible mess and there was no food in the house. My, my drunk grandfather had just, that was a different grandfather, my drunk grandfather had abandoned them and mama told a story. She said, all mama could do, all my grandmother could do was just do ironing and make clothes and try to do a little laundry here and there. They were out. They were empty. There was no money and the cupboards were empty and, and mama got down and prayed and sought the Lord. My Mama said somebody knocked on the door about 30 minutes later. They opened the door to somebody with two big giant bags of groceries. And you say that's coincidence? No, that's the power of God. When I assumed this pastor many years ago, many, many years ago, we were broke. We were so messed up. I had $5,000 and we'd go into foreclosure. And we prayed and sought the Lord. Somebody I did not know walked in the door, did not know the need, wrote a check for five grand, laid it in the envelope, and we paid the bills. And God says, won't I do it? You got to hear what I'm saying. These are my stories. But you need to clap your hands about your own story. What did God save you from? How did he deliver it? Don't tell everybody what I did. Some of you in this room, you were messed up, broke, busted, disgusted, lost. You were unemployed. Your marriage was a mess, but God somehow showed up and delivered you. You thought it was all over. The pain was too great. But he jumped up out of the boat and he danced on your wave with you and brought you through it. Tell your story. Come on. Tell your story. This is how we overcome, Revelation says, this great conclusion. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I always, what the word of their testimony? My testimony. Look what God did in my life. Look how he did not leave me alone. Look how he showed up in my brokenness. Come on. Why don't you put that on your Facebook page sometime? Come on, why, why not? About social media, I'll tell everybody this. Why don't you tell them how good your God is? Why don't you open up? Come on. Why don't you institutory? My Lord, it's the story. My Lord Jesus showed up and set me free. Why don't Jesus? You say, why should I do that? When you testify, it builds your faith. Say it, when I testify, it builds my faith. When I don't testify, my faith shrinks. 
I start telling stories up here. How many have ever heard me tell that story about me being healed of my burns before? Anybody ever heard that? Look at that. Mess with me, I will tell you again. How many have ever heard me, heard me tell the story about when I was saved? How old was I? Who was I sitting next to? By my mama. I was weeping in church. Mama thought somebody heard me. Mama looked over and said, Ricky, somebody heard you? I said, no. She said, she discerned, discernment. She said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? A five-year-old needs to give their life to Jesus. She took me by the hand, led me to the front. How many know this story? It's like echo, echo. I don't know. You need to tell somebody today how Jesus saved you, how Jesus delivered you. Where is your faith? Where is your testimony? Okay, I got to be finished. So these things, are, these things are simple because these are coming back to our faith. And third and finally, your position now, because of that, to expect gifts of faith, miracles, and healing. The gift of faith. I'm going to tell you this because some of you may struggle with this because this is, this is the miracle. The gift of faith is spiritual empowerment to trust and have confidence in God in times of difficulty that will glorify God and inspire others to follow. So people say, I have the gift of faith. No, the gift of faith. Get this. Daniel went into a lion's den. How many believe that took faith? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into a fiery furnace, and this is what they say. Yo, O king, we know that our God can deliver us. It's It's a gift of faith. I'm going through. Is anybody going through it right now? I speak faith over your life in the name of Jesus. Faith. God would raise faith up in you. When I was a boy, I read a lot of great stories, but one of my favorites, and I remember sometimes I would get in trouble as a kid because I, I would get so caught up in the book, I would forget everybody around me. The Hiding Place was one of those books. Anybody ever read Corey Tinboom's The Hiding Place? It's a classic Christian uh, story, just so powerful. But Corey Tinboom, she was a Jewish individual in the time of the of, of Nazi Germany. Germany, she was in the Holocaust, and she. They were also her daddy, who was a, a, a clock builder. Her daddy taught them about Jesus as the Messiah. They had friends that hid them in their home, in a stairwell. They had a secret passageway, and they stayed there for a long time. But somehow, eventually, they were all taken into Nazi Germany. But the story is about how this woman continued to love God while she saw people placed in extermination situations where people were burned to death, where people were gassed, where people were... You might say, well, that's not... No, no, no. How many have seen some awful things? Anybody ever seen some awful things? You, this world, you, you got to understand this. This world is more broken than it is whole. Some people think that they're living in the kingdom of heaven. I am of the kingdom of heaven, but I am living in occupied territory. So there's all kinds of demonic stuff going on, so much evil. You're saying, why is the government like it is right now? Why, why are people doing this and living this way? They're broken. They need Jesus. Got it? And what you need to do in this broken world that you're living in is live with faith. Don't let anything steal your faith. Come on, don't let anything. You know, Elijah, you know, spoke. I mean, the Bible says Elijah was a man just like you. And he prayed and it stopped raining, prayed again and it started. The rest of that story, Elijah was a man just like you. When it stopped raining, 
He went out and hung at a brook. He didn't have food. He didn't have anything. And he just, by faith, trusted the Lord. And the ravens came and fed him. They went and found the food, carried it to him. Jesus. Stephen, what great faith. The martyrs, and I'm believing this. If people are martyred in Afghanistan, and they have been. They've already been martyred. I want you to know, the people who see them martyred, the people who kill them, I pray that the Holy Spirit captures their soul because people will not love their life unto death. Stephen, his faith is so great that while they're throwing rocks, he doesn't put his head down. He puts his head up and he looks up to heaven and he says, I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And who is standing nearby? Who is in charge of the coat check? A guy named Saul of Tarsus, who we know is Paul. Paul the Apostle. He's watching this man give his life. And Paul is going to be the evangelist, that apostle to the Gentiles, who's going to lay down all of his religious mess. And he's going to follow Jesus with all of his heart. And he himself will write so much of the New Testament waiting for his own head to be taken by Nero. Jesus. Jesus. I'm done. I really am. I'm really done. I'm really done. Everybody stay. Let's give praise to the Lord. Let's give praise to the Lord. I never spent a lot of time on the gifts, but the gift of faith. But then there are also miracles that we see in the scripture gifts of healing all of this by faith now I've seen supernatural I've seen great faith I have seen I have seen people walk again who could not walk I've seen people made supernaturally well so you cannot convince me that God is not a healer and that ultimately our healing is new bodies. So we're not afraid of death. Because, you know, death is beam me up. You know, death is... <laughs> My body will turn to dust, but I get a new one. Dead in Christ rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord. And we will forever be with the Lord. But gifts of healing are real. And today they are healing. And miracles. Miracles. Miracles like that moment when we were so broke. And the Lord just provided. Lord Jesus. Miracles. Say it. Miracles. Miracles. See, but when I say that, you're afraid that I'm going to be the, become the next televangelist. And I'm going to show you miracles. I'm going to fake a few miracles, you know. I'll reach somebody. I'll grab them. I'll pull them up out of the wheelchair Make them look like they can walk and then just go set. No, I ain't doing that. God is a miracle worker. Somebody shout, God is a miracle worker. He did it before, He can do it again. But He's going to do those miracles through us in order that the kingdom of God would be built. Not that you could build your own castle, but that you could build the kingdom of God. And healing. And healing. Somebody shout healing. Healing. 
so uh, Spirit Life team, come and be ready for prayer. We're going to pray for people. I have a few things. Somebody said salvation, salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. And I pray that Holy Spirit would draw you now, that the Holy Spirit would draw you to salvation. You need to answer this question for me now. You need to answer for, for me now. Are you born again? Are you of the spirit or are you of the flesh? Are you of spirit or are you of flesh? Are you living of spirit or are you living of flesh? Are you, are you saved? Are you born again? Are you born of the spirit? Look at me. Look at me, please. I long for you to be born again. But is there faith inside of you? Is the Holy Spirit touching you in such a way that you could confess with, with me that Jesus Christ is the Lord? Could you do that? Could you confess that with me? You should do that, and you should confess to others as well. You, could, you should confess. It's not just reciting a prayer. It's not just being saved. It is placing your faith firmly in Jesus and receiving the work of the grace of Christ. You might, and here's what people tell me all the time. Pastor, if you had known what I would do, you wouldn't even let me in the house. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus knows what you have done. You may be a murderer, but Jesus loves you. And I want you saved today. He forgives you. He'll forgive you. I said he'll forgive you. Rededication. Some of you, your faith, if I ask you where your faith is, you remember having faith. Some of you need a rededication, a reconfirmation of your faith. And that is, you've been in and out and up and down. You're saved on Sunday a little bit, but Monday, you're right back to the mess, all right? You're just struggling. And I love you, and I appreciate that, because nearly every one of us in this room have been at that place. Today would be a good time for us to stir up the faith in your life. We will pray with you. You can do it at your seat, but I think it would be so good for you to walk out. Miracles. You need a miracle in your home, a miracle in your family, a miracle in your life. God is a miracle worker, okay? So we, we want to work in, in miracles. Come on. Run on down, Ken. Go ahead, brother. I love that. I love that. Watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. So whatever you need from the Lord, whatever you need from the Lord, I want you to know that He is able. Somebody shout healing. We're also here for healing. Miracles. How many have ever had a heal a miracle in your home before? A miracle in your family? God wants to heal some families. He wants to feel some heal some homes. So come on down. These people, these are really good people. They pray together. So whatever you need. Go ahead. That means you can come down anytime you want. You can come on down for prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. Everybody join with me with faith. Lord, we believe for miracles in this room, for healing in people's homes and lives. We agree, Father. And we ask, Father, in the holy name of Jesus, that you would come. Come now. Holy Spirit, come. It's okay. We got plenty of altar workers. The rest of my spirit life team come. Living waters workers, you come as well. We got an overflow. Yeah, wherever you are, Ninon, come help. Come and help me. All right, come and help me. You can pray with one another as well before you leave. So look around. Maybe there's somebody you'd like to pray with. Let me bless you. This has been a good day. You guys, you gonna sing, King? No. Okay. Somebody will. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you all. Take a moment and bless somebody nearby you. Would you do that before you, before you leave? If you're new, I'm going to be chasing you all down in the 
front yard or in the foyer just to speak to you for a moment. Father, we give you thanks for what you've done in this church. Thank you, Father, that our faith has increased. Father, we're ready for a great awakening. Stir us. Use us. Thank you for this good church, Freedom Fellowship. Thank you for this family. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Bless one another. Turn around and greet somebody. Pray with somebody and then you can be dismissed. I have more prayer workers over to my right if you would like prayer.